In every generation, there are the chosen ones, the fanboys, the observers, the keepers of useless trivia. They alone must stand against the forces of television drama tropes. They are continuous play. It's about power. Who's got it? Who knows how to use it? So, what do you guys want to do tomorrow? Nothing strange. Well, mini golf is always the first thing that comes to mind. I think you can do better than that. I was thinking about shopping, as per usual. Oh, there's an okay. R&B in the new mall. I can use a few items. I'll need to discuss it. Save the world, go to the mall. I'm having a wicked shoe craving. Aren't you on the patch? Those never work. And here I am, invisible to the eye. See, I need a new look. It's this whole eye patch thing. The earth is definitely doomed. Welcome to Continuous Plays, The Art of Slaying, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective featuring Brian Thomas. But I'm known you coming and bake the cake. And Jay Newcastle. Are you ready to finish this? Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the copyright of Fox Television Studios and any discussion of the characters, episodes, or music is strictly for entertainment purposes only. Welcome to The Art of Slaying, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective. I'm Jay. And I'm Brian. And we're here to look at Season 7, Episode 10, Bring on the Night, written by Doug Petrie and Marty, I like it, Rough Noxon. With Spike missing, the gang tries to cope and clear the damage done to the Summer's house. Giles has survived the attack and arrives with three young girls he identifies as potential slayers. He reveals that the first evil is killing off the line of slayers in an attempt to rid the world of good, leaving ye old hellmouth free to open again. He tells Buffy that there are more potential slayers on their way to Sunnydale. Buffy and Giles search the Christmas tree lot where they find and discover the bringers. Buffy goes underground and is challenged by a very strong vampire who is finally repelled by the coming sunrise. Giles confirms that the uber vamp is Tarak Han a vampire which even vampires fear. After one of the potentials gets killed trying to escape, Buffy comes across the Turok Han once again, and it beats Buffy to a pulp after she stakes it and it remains unharmed. Later on at the Summer's house, while the potentials discuss their coming doom, Buffy declares that she isn't going down without a fight, and neither is anyone else. And that is the plot summary for Episode 10, Bring on the Night, Jay. But before we get into... Bring on the night. We need to address something that happened in our last episode. What? Yeah, we kind of missed something big. <laughs> something important. Uh, okay, in, in all fairness, we did tell all of you we had a little recording audio problems, and we had to go back and, and do reshoots on these episodes. And in the recording of that, somewhere in the mix of the conversation, we forgot to talk about the fact that the freaking Watchers Council got blown to bits. <laughs> oh, just so, a small yeah, detail. Yeah, our- our bad. You know what though? I love our audience though, because instead of like calling us out and saying how dumb we were for missing that, they're like, "Hey guys, um, that did happen this episode." <laughs> so thank you for at least being cool about it. No, it, it was and it is an important thing. So we wanted to spend a minute or two talking about it. I, I will say, Brian, I remember distinctly when that happened the first time this season was on. I were watching it and I was calling up my my Buffy friends, going, "Dude, did you just see that?" I cannot believe that just went down, and I forgot when that happened in the epi- in the season, and that it happened so early. Yeah, wow. on I mean, it's only episode ten, and they're gone, like 
gone, gone. I was blown away that they decided to just dust, essentially, the entire Watchers Council in one fell swoop. Yeah, I mean, we've been seeing them attacking the Watchers Council, but yeah, just to absolutely blow up the headquarters of the Council, when all the main ones are in there and they're actually planning their attack, and they think it was at yeah. a point where they just decided what they were going to do and were about to get on and talk to people, and then, boom, I, gone. Well, see, I... I was going, man, are, are we finally going to get something useful out of the Watchers Council? Are they going to, like, help for once? <laughs> we, you know? I think we did and, get something useful out of them. <laughs> and the answer is no. And the answer is yes, they they're gone. <laughs> yeah, they are gone. Yeah, but wow, I was, I was impressed that they took that step. I thought that was cool. That was a cool uh, plot moment. And it's a big thing going forward because now where the you know Giles has always been able to rely on that database of knowledge somewhere right oh and that income where the heck is he yeah and the, and the income well <laughs> double the salary know, yeah <laughs> yeah i know right and now you know how's he going to get his obamacare well this is a little bit before that. <laughs> but how is he how's he going to find out how to do anything where are they going to get their answers that's mm-hmm. curious to know and as it turns out we do get that in this episode from old giles we he get a little bit yeah yeah, he stole a few things out of the old library, but still, it's a small amount. And I think that's, it, it goes again on with a theme that they're going to really start hammering home for us here is that the only person Buffy can really trust is herself, her experience, and her instincts. And part of doing that is they separate her from, you know, the, the big base of knowledge that whether she liked them or not was always there. This is true, yeah. And we know that Giles does have a very deep library because he had it at the magic shop. But again, luckily for us, he did steal the most important texts and artifacts, which which is really awesome. He's stealing from his place of employment. But, <laughs> you know, beside the point, uh, I don't know. He, I, he, he made it sound like he uh, figured that they were going to get blown up or something. And so he went in and got stuff just in case. Yeah, just in case. Well, good good on him for figuring that out. So. Yeah, well, let's go ahead, Jay, and get into this episode then. Here we go. We have a name for this vampire that has arrived in the last episode. Tarak Han, the vampire that even vampires fear, is here. That's who the first has unleashed from Spike's blood draining. And uh, apparently he's pretty strong because he can take a stake and not I mean, get not killed. even flinch, really. Just sort of look annoyed at the end of that. Yeah, we'll get to him. I mean, that's uh, definitely have a lot of thoughts about the Tarot Khan and all that. But we we gotta we gotta start with something that I I, I guess I'm gonna nitpick in this episode here, Brian. We're gonna torture Spike some more. <sighs> the torturing of the Spike. It's it's come. It's it's almost like the crowning of the Sting in for TNA fans and I. Y- it's coming around, you know. They're, you know, they're, the titling of the sting. <laughs> the title. Okay, it's almost like the titling of the sting for UTNA fans. It comes around, and and each time it's less satisfying than the last time. <laughs> um, let's just go through all the things they try to do to him here. Um, they try to drown him. Uh, he's a vampire; he doesn't breathe. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> they beat on him. Well, okay, that's that probably hurts, but so what? He can heal really fast. They cut him up a little bit, but again, so what? I don't, I don't get the idea. If he's a sleeper agent and all you got to do is sing a little song or whatever it is to turn him on, why don't you just turn him on and never turn him off? An excellent question, Jay. And I am with you 100% on these gripes. I mean, especially the drowning one, because let's face it, folks, if, if anyone has seen Angel, 
and seen the end of season three. We know that vampires don't need air to breathe. As Angel is trapped inside of a coffin, or a box, I guess, and sunk down to the bottom of a big lake. Yeah, he sleeps, sleeps with the fishes it. at the end of that season. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it doesn't phase him. Because, I mean, the only thing that would scare him is, I guess, if he's claustrophobic. But if you're a vampire, that doesn't make any sense. Um, so I, what good is dumping Spike's head underwater doing? And why is he acting like it's he's out of breath? He doesn't need to breathe. I know. Yeah, he pants. It shouldn't have any effect on him. Yeah, no, he's panting. I don't. I don't know. It's very bad acting choices. Bad direction. Well, it's not necessarily bad acting choices. It's it's piss poor planning and writing. Yeah. Well, that that too. There, again, there is a lack of attention to detail. It, it, again, it, this is a show that has been around long enough, knows its fan base is incredibly loyal, and it was at the time. I mean, we were all still sucking it up and watching it. That you're like, okay, well, we don't have to explain anything. Now, we don't have to do any of that. We can just be lazy and go with it. Well, no, because when you start doing those kind of shortcuts, you always start doing other kinds of shortcuts. It happens in all mm-hmm. sorts of horror franchises. When they, they get into the fourth and fifth sequels and stuff, they're like, yeah, we ain't got to explain none of that anymore. Well, maybe you don't have to explain it again. I don't need the origin story every time, but at least honor the fact of what you set up. You know, yeah. g- Give me credit for having paid attention to it. That's what I'm saying. Right. You know your own, um, I guess, lore. Yeah, right? yeah. Know your own mythology. And look, it should be noted, it's not like this is different people. These are the same people that have been there the whole time. All right? This is their job. I mean, you keep up with stuff. You know, they should know. And this is, this is dumb. It's just dumb. But thankfully, for this episode's sake... It is a small part of what we get, because the bulk of this episode is around two big plot twists. One, Giles survived, seemingly, that attack that we saw going down when the the episode just cut at the end. And we learn a little bit more about the plan of the first. It's, you know, it's sensed a disturbance in the force and decided to take out the line of slayers. Yeah, um, well, yes. And first of all, well, how did Giles survive? Come on. Tell me how I need to know this. All right. Now that I got that out of the way. Second of all, it was lovely seeing Juliet Landau back oh, as Drusilla. Yes. That yes. was fantastic. Yes, very much so. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Yeah. But as we get to this, we do now know, as Giles has, has told us, that it is the first evil. I think this is the first time they've actually called it the first, if I'm not mistaken, Jay. Is mm-hmm. that right? I think I right. think you're right. Yeah. Yep, so we finally get a name to what this demon that's been causing all this chaos is and what what these bringers are. We finally get a name to them, and uh, Giles basically explains that somehow this is now a time where he's sensed a weakness, a weakness in the force. <laughs> and now he's going after Buffy and all these potential slayers. Now, the, the other thing is, is, we've always known that there's a line of slayers, right? Mm. Um, this is, I think, the first time where they've really introduced us to the fact that this line of slayers is pretty damn deep. Yeah. Um, you don't, you're, you're picking up hundreds of girls around the world as potentially the next slayer. And then when the one dies, all of a sudden, one gets elevated. We don't know how that works, 
yet. I don't know if they ever explain how it works, who gets chosen, but apparently there's, there's a bunch of them that are training or don't know about it or whatever, but there, there are a bunch of potential slayers out there. And I thought that was kind of an interesting con- concept. And the first is going after them because if he can kill the line of slayers, that leaves only one left. And once she's dead, there are no more. Exactly. I, I, I thought that was a good plan. I mean, look, you, you've got to take out your arch enemy. So the first thing you do is you, you distract them to pieces. You take away pieces that are important to them. And then you come around with something that they can't beat or that at least it can't beat. And that's the Tarot Khan bit. So I, I love this uber vampire and I love the plan of let's take out the Slayer line because what has always been a problem with the the big bads on this show? They always underestimate what mm-hmm. Buffy and this you know group can do, right? That's always the the undoing flaw of all of them. They, they either pay no attention or not enough attention to them, or they focus too much on them and they wind up getting caught up in the drama. Of, and you know, I think like back to the mayor who didn't really care if Buffy was around or not, but when Faith got hurt and all that stuff, then it became a problem. You know, mm-hmm. for him, and that really derailed a lot of what he was. I mean, that's the thing that got him, you know, got the snake chasing, right? Was absolutely. Uh, let's use what you know he cares about, which is faith. So, uh, I yeah, I I like that idea. I really do. I think it's smart, and yeah, I think it works. It's a good plan. Finally, evil well, it seems to have a decent plan. Right, and it shows that this one is not like the old ones. So he right. knows that Buffy's the main problem. Mm-hmm. However. If he kills Buffy, then he has a new main problem. So he knows that why not take care of that first and then deal with this girl who seems to always get out of things. And and once I get rid of her, we're good. Right, right? exactly. Yeah, I'm going to wipe out this whole line so that there's nobody else getting called. There's no, Mm -hmm. I'm taking out the farm league. There's no more for you. Right. You know, and it's a good plan. I mean, I'm surprised no one thought of it before. And probably because the writers never thought of how are we going to expand the world. And I think that's the thing that they're adding in this year that we didn't know is just how deep the Slayer line really runs and like you said it runs really deep absolutely so i like that that part of it and i think joust's explanation is great however i I still want to know how joust survived yeah i i I want to know that and and it's kind of upsetting me that we still haven't learned can i can i tell you though that i like the idea that they're teasing that because i feel like that's coming and they just haven't come out with it yet i'm okay in this episode that they don't try to jam more explanation in they got enough exposition as it is because the only part of the torturing of the spike that is uh satisfying and you already mentioned it is the fact that the first decides to manifest as drusilla and we get a little we get a little juliet landau back and oh man talk about still brilliant still has presence as that character and can still bring it and still can develop the chemistry with uh james marshers that that was a nice little callback i enjoyed seeing her and kind of hoped that we'd see more of that well, and one of the most brilliant characters they've ever put on this show. And mm-hmm. Juliet Landau deserves a ton of credit for making that character what it is. Because her mannerisms and her the way she talks and moves and really gets into that character brings that thing to life. And it's just a breath of fresh air to see her back again, even if it's just for a short period of time. Just seeing her again is just awesome. Well, you mentioned it, too. If you've been watching Angel and keeping up with that, her character, we've learned a lot more about her over on that show. And how, mm-hmm. how Angel really drove her mad and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty cool. I mean, it, it's really neat. So the fact that they're going to work her back into the mythology, I'm cool with at this point. I enjoyed yeah. it. So yeah, I, I like that. 
I guess we got to talk about the Turacon Uber vamp now, though, man. Yeah. I've already said I dug it. What did you think? Oh, I think it's awesome. You know, I, I think it's a, a very interesting look. It makes you feel like at first I thought it was the first, right? Because mm-hmm. first, first evil you think is the first vampire. That's my logical thought, but it's not. It's just an agent again. But this is an an old old vampire, and this is what you would think vampires would look like who've been around for many, many years. Well, and it was just kind of a neat neat concept. And I really liked the the fight that <clears throat> excuse me. I really liked the fight that it had with Buffy. Mm-hmm. Because now we see someone who has potential to give her a run for her money. You know, Glory was one who gave Buffy a good run for money. That was cool. But aside from that, I mean honestly, if you look back at all the big bads no one really gave her much of a run for money uh, other than Glory and maybe um, Angel. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, who really has been able to match up with her other than outsmarting her and getting away at times? Yeah, not beat for beat. Most most mm-hmm. don't match up well or very long. Well, I mean, you know, there was always that Sunday chick at the beginning of college, but, you know. But, you know, she beats crap out of her, too. But yeah, we're not going to yeah. talk. We're not going to go back to that. <laughs> um, no, I like that, too. And you mentioned something there about the age of the vampire. I'm like, okay, this is the other version of what the master could have been. He was oh, kind yeah. of, you know, methodical and plotting and wasn't much of a fighter uh, at all. He was really more of a talker and kind of a twisted preacher type. This is like a, a vampire ninja. You know, but but the same age, the same idea. Like you know, it, you can be a, a lot of things if you get to advanced level of vampirism. And one of the things you could be is to, the Tarot Khan style of vampire. I don't know. I, I liked it. I like the fact that it's uh, you know, they go lucha libre with it. You know, it's somebody yeah. that's really fast that you can't like literally lucha libre. Yeah, literally. Yeah, I mean, he's really fast. You can't touch him hardly, and nothing that Buffy does works. And mm-hmm. That, I mean, we've seen Buffy get bested in fights several times at this point, but this has a different effect on her. We'll, we'll talk about that in a bit, but just on the, the vamp, I thought it was cool, thought it was well done. Mm-hmm. And in the back of my mind, Brian, I sort of had this little ponder. I thought, what it would be like if there were like 10 of these? That oh, would yeah. be, that would be a real problem. Uh, it definitely would be. And it would be a major problem because this guy is, you know, nail for nail, fighting alongside Buffy pretty good. And she's got to come up with a way to now destroy him because her usual tactics, not working so well. Yeah. Right? And she gets beat up pretty good. Mm. I mean, she gets destroyed by this vampire, beat up, bruised, you know, basically has to run away to, to survive. Mm. And, uh, you know, just a good fight. And, and if it weren't for the sunlight, she might not be here. <laughs> I got a little feeling of, uh, remember when, uh, her and Spike were chasing each other underneath the, uh, sewers of the college or whatever, or even go back to the first season, her and Xander are running away from the vampires that took out Jesse and those hands come up into the sun and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the smoke they comes out of them. Back down. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was cool. I, I really did have a good time with that. I, well, it's, it's also good to know that the, some of the vampire lore affects the Trakhan too, right? Right. He's not just uber vamp, anything goes. Huh? Mm-hmm. You know, the steak may not kill him, probably because his heart's so small and you can't hit it. Um, but at least the sunlight affects him and things like that. So we, we, we've given ourselves at least something to work with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, and, and it, it also plays into that Gem of Amara legend or whatever. You know, there was that one thing that could have you know made vampires impervious to sunlight and 
as mm-hmm. if you again, if you watch Angel, he destroys that. So you know that's yeah. that's no longer an option for any vampire. So I like that they at least play along with that. That's the, I think that's the maddening thing about this. You know, I've been complaining about the shortcuts that they take on the show, but yet they seem to hang on to stuff like that. You know, yeah. so it's oh, I don't know. It just it's a little nutty. But yeah, pick anyway. and choose. Right? I guess. Yeah. I guess. I guess. But no, I like the the first fight, and I really like the second fight where Buffy really gets it handed to her. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it. One, the choreography was was awesome, and two, the fact that you know she has to go back home, and everybody is sitting around the table going, "We're gonna, we're all gonna die. We're doomed. Game over, man." You know, I mean, all that is going on, and she's sitting there listening to it, and she's got that look on her face, Brian. We've seen it a mm-hmm. thousand times. That despondent, depressed. You know, I've just taken one to the chin kind of look, but her reaction this time totally different. Oh yeah, it, it's a nice, good speech that she gives, basically saying, "You know, look, I'm, I'm with you. I'm scared. I'm tired. Uh, I don't know what to do, but hey, all I know is that we're gonna win. We're we're gonna beat this thing. I don't know how. I don't know when, but we're gonna do it. I, I, lo- so she, I love what she yeah. says. Is it's pretty much we're not gonna take it. You know, yeah. so." It you know it, we're getting mad now we're gonna go get even I I don't know I, that's a different turn for Buffy right we've talked about the maturation of the character and to me it's one of the most important things they've done this season is she becomes very uh, self reliant Giles doesn't go in there to pump her up you know no Xander doesn't give her a pep talk Willow doesn't give her a hug she's mm-hmm. sitting there with a cup of soup or whatever and looking awful and then like screw this. You know, and she she's making her own noise now. So yeah. I I thought that was a nice turn, and and I did too. And I like the look on everybody's face too. Like, oh wow, we're in for some serious problems here. So the first predates everything we've ever known, or can know. It's everywhere. It's pure. I don't know if we can fight it. You're right. We don't know how to fight it. We don't know when it'll come. We can't run. Can't hide. Can't pretend it's not the end, because it is. And something's always been there to try and destroy the world. We've beaten them back. But we're not dealing with them anymore. Dealing with the reason they exist. Evil. The strongest. The first. Buffy, I'm, I'm, I know you're tired. I'm beyond tired. I'm beyond scared. I'm standing on the mouth of hell and it is going to swallow me whole. And it'll choke on me. We're not ready. They're not ready. They think we're going to wait for the end to come, like we always do. I'm done waiting. They want an apocalypse, or we'll give them one. Anyone else who wants to run, do it now, because we just became an army. We just declared war. From now on, we won't just face our worst fears. We will seek them out. 
We will find them and cut out their hearts one by one until the first shows itself for what it really is. And I'll kill it myself. There is only one thing on this earth more powerful than evil. And that's us. Any questions? Well, Jay, I think we're at the point in the podcast where we give our dustings ratings. So what is your dustings ratings for Season 7, Episode 10, Bring on the Night? Uh, you know what? Really strong comeback after a, a bit of a letdown last time. I'm going to give it a strong three. I thought it was a good episode. Again, I liked most of what happened except for the fact that we're torturing Spike. But I liked the fact that they brought uh, Drusilla back as part of it. I just didn't like the methods. But uh, it really, though, the Tarotcon fights and Buffy's resolve at it sell this episode to me. And the fact that Giles survives, and I'm curious to know how that happened. You know, uh, strong three dustings for me. I'm going to agree with you on this one. This is definitely a three dustings episode. Overall, a really good uh, episode all around. Drusilla being back, phenomenal. Giles explaining more to us about what this first is and, mm-hmm. and what he's after and all that stuff. That helps a ton. Uh, the Tarakhan, very cool. Uh, the fight with Buffy, very good. And just he- letting us know that now Buffy's got a challenge that she's got to overcome, and we-, we get to see how that plays out as well. Um, so overall, I liked where we're going and where we're at with this episode. So for me, again, as well, a three dustings. Very strong episode. All right, folks, thanks for joining us on this latest episode of The Art of Slang. Of course, you can find all of the episodes in our back catalog uh, at our website, theartofslang.com. You can hook up with us on social media there. Facebook, Twitter, and if you subscribe to iTunes, leave us a review, let us know what you think of the show, and you know, leave us comments uh, on our Facebook page or Twitter. Let us know if you if you like something we dislike, tell us why. Or if you didn't like something that we really seem to enjoy, let us know. We always enjoy interacting with our fan base. And thank you for your support. Until next time, for Brian, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to The Art of Slay. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the copyright of Fox Television Studios and any discussion of the characters, episodes, or music is strictly for entertainment purposes only. 